History is not bunk, as Henry Ford uh, famously suggested it was, nor is it uh, simply reading you know, old records of French crop rotations in the uh, Middle Ages. Uh, history is a chance to look back in order to look ahead. It's an opportunity to see the hand of God over time. It's a chance to gain perspective. It's a, it's a, it's a pathway to humility. It's, it's a way to appreciate today because we learn to uh, compare today with uh, previous periods and not some idyllic utopian fantasies about reality that we may hold on to. So there are lots of reasons to study uh, and know history, including church history. And today we consider the life and death and the witness, which is what the word martyr stands for, the life, the death, the witness uh, of an early church father, an 86-year-old man uh, who dies named Polycarp. So we're moving through the second century, the first part um, of the patristic period, the era of the church fathers. Last week, we looked at Justin Martyr, an apologist and an early defender of the faith. Today, it's bishop. Uh, the term bishop means uh, they're over more than one church. Uh, it's a bishop by the name of Polycarp. Uh, this is a man from Smyrna, which is the modern-day uh, Turkish city of Izmir. Um, more importantly, this is somebody who is discipled by the Apostle John himself. Polycarp was born in 69 AD, uh, and, and uh, so he was alive when, when John was alive. And it's uh, somebody who... Um, somebody who is considered by historians to be one of the three most significant early church fathers, along with Clement of Rome and uh, Ignatius of Antioch. And this is someone who, like uh, Justin last week, uh, this is someone who was killed for his faith in Christ. So if you read about Polycarp, you're going to hear a couple things. First of all, you're going to hear about what a nice guy he was. He's this thoughtful, ironic, peaceful, calm, older man. And um, Irenaeus, uh, in a letter to Florinius, they were both disciples, both being, um, being nurtured in their faith uh, by Polycarp. Irenaeus writes this letter and this description about how significant Polycarp was and what a godly person he was and the kind of gravitas he had and how important he was in, in Irenaeus' own decision to become a Christ follower. Um, now, I should note that there are other descriptions of Polycarp uh, when he is doing battle with heretics that suggest he's not spineless by any means. Uh, he goes after Marcion, who we'll look at next week who's a heretic. He goes after Marcion and calls him uh, a disciple, uh, firstborn of the devil, I think. And then he also, he goes after the Gnostics, another er early church heresy that we'll look at next week. He goes after the Gnostics and leads many of them to faith in Christ. So he's not a pushover by any means, uh, but he's known as being a very nice, humble, ironic guy. Another reason you hear about Polycarp is because of a letter that he wrote to the church in Philippi. Paul obviously writes a letter to the Philippians. And about 30, excuse me, about 60 years later, uh, Polycarp is writing a letter. They, apparently, the church in Philippi has just had a pastor embezzle money. Who? I think that's the last time that happened. <laughs> so they've got a little bit of, they're a little bit on their heels. And so he writes to them. And this is a letter, it uh, sounds a little bit like the kind of letters that the apostles wrote. But... Um, 
This is a letter noted mostly because he says, look, if you are a true follower of Christ, you're going to be serving. Your, your faith should be manifesting itself in good works. And if it's not, something's wrong. Uh, a third reason that we hear about Polycarp involves a disagreement that he has with the Bishop of Rome over the dating of Easter, when, when Easter should be celebrated. And uh, this is ultimately the, the church is going to decide on a date, a dating method at the Council of Nicaea. Uh, it'll be settled then, although I would argue not settled very well. Uh, I'm a little frustrated that the date of Easter changes and messes up spring break, but that's for a later lecture. The big reason we hear about Polycarp uh, is because of the way he died, which is recorded in a letter called the Martyrdom of Polycarp. So as I said, martyr means witness. And Polycarp considers it an honor to, to witness to Christ in death. So um, he's one of the first people that, that, um, whose martyrdom gets really written up a lot after the early church. So Stephen, of course, is martyred. He's the first martyr. That's recorded in Acts 8. And then the disciples. Uh, Judas will end his own life. But uh, the, uh, the other ten disciples, um, John is, is going to live a long time. The other ten uh, are going to are going to die violent deaths. They're going to be killed for their faith. Uh, John will be tortured, and they try to kill him at least once, and he's banished to an island. But they're all going to suffer for their faith. So that's the disciples. But it's a while then again before you start to get into Justin and Polycarp and some others who will be martyred for their faith, and this gets some attention. So he had been following Christ from the time he was a young man. For some reason, Rome gets tired of him when he is much older. He knows they're coming for him. He knows he's going to be arrested. He has a dream in which he's burned. He tells his friends that he's going to die uh, for Christ, that he's going to be put to death on the stake. And they all encourage him to flee. Uh, he says, no, I'm not going to. And when, when the Roman guards uh, knock on his door, he lets them in and famously treats them well. They're, they're telling him that he's got to recant. And the way they had uh, Christians recant uh, was, to, uh, was to offer a sacrifice to one of the Roman gods. Christians were considered to be atheists, like the Jews, because they were, they were monotheists, and the Romans didn't really understand this. And so a way to get a, a Christian in particular to renounce their faith, to show that they weren't part of this, this cult, Christianity, was to ask them to sacrifice to the Roman gods, because others would do that. And so he's told he's got to sacrifice to Caesar or to one of the other Roman gods. He says he's not going to do it. They go, well, you're going to be horrifically killed. And he goes, okay, uh, that's okay. He then offers them some food and says, could you give me an hour to pray? And they said, okay. So he gets them something to eat, and then he goes in the next room to pray. It turns into a two-hour prayer session, and they can hear him through the walls praying. And apparently one of the guards famously supposedly uh, uh, comes to faith listening to Polycarp pray. So in any event, they eventually take him to the proconsul, who questions him in front of a bunch of people. And there's banter going on back and forth between them. He, uh, Polycarp is being very witty and being very calm, and, uh, and the proconsul is getting more and more frustrated, and he's threatening him. And eventually Polycarp says, you know, look, why are we delaying? Bring it on. Uh, do your worst. And uh, the guy says, well, you're going to be fed to the wild beasts. Okay, you're going to be, you're going to be uh, burned at the stake. Okay, wh whatever. Polycarp eventually says, look, 
the fires of the judgment that you're going to bring against me are temporary. The fires of hell are not. And uh, it's reserved for the ungodly. So at this point, soldiers grab him and they're going to nail him to a stake. Uh, and then have him burnt. And he says, you don't have to nail me. I won't leave. Uh, the, the God who uh, is going to deliver me, the God who's going to bring me to himself, will, will allow me to stand here in the flames. And uh, there's some suggestions, stories are told that the fire wouldn't light and that they had to eventually spear him to death. There's reports that he didn't burn, but he sort of, um, he sort of took on a bronze uh, like he was a loaf of bread. Uh, but he dies, at the, he dies at the stake. He is burned. And, uh, and he considered it an honor to, to suffer in that way. So let me say just a, two things here uh, as I wrap up. One about persecution generally and one about martyrdom. So I keep noting that, uh, that Christi- Christianity was illegal for the first 300 years uh, from about Acts 8 when Stephen is killed all the way until Constantine is going to issue this, this edict of toleration in the early uh, 4th century. It's illegal to be a Christian. You, you could lose your life, which is absolutely true. What you need to understand is that the persecution of Christians is it's not like the Holocaust. It's not like a genocide is going on all the time. It's sporadic and localized. So you see it under Nero. You're going to see it under Trajan. You're going to see it. It gets really bad. It, takes, it goes to a whole new level in the, the third century uh, under uh, a Diocletian persecution. Uh, and I will look at that a little bit later. But I just want you to know, it's, it's just a little bit more complicated than that. History is generally more complicated than we can make it. The Romans didn't really understand the Christians. Some say they, didn't, they couldn't tell Christians and Jews apart. Well, they could. The Jews were pretty good about pointing out that the Christians were not Jews. And the, the Romans actually appreciated the Jews in one sense because Judaism was very old. They liked old. They liked ancient. And the Jews would fight back if you pushed them hard enough. They'd rebel. And the Romans respected that. The Christians, they didn't respect in part because it was new, which they didn't think much of. And the Christians were more pacifists. They would they would go to their death uh, somewhat willingly. Um, so we'll look at persecution a little bit more later on. But I just want to say the persecution was... Uh, hot and cold uh, during those 300 years. But uh, it, did, it did happen, and you could lose your life, as some did, as did Polycarp. So let me just say a couple things about martyrdom. Dying for your faith, as opposed to renouncing Christ. Now, I'm not saying anything here because I think that we're at risk of being martyred. Um, I suppose it could happen. I don't expect it. Uh, but I think we should reflect on people like Justin and Polycarp, because um, suffering, persecution, even martyrdom could follow. Jesus certainly told his followers to be prepared for that. He told uh, us that we should be prepared to suffer. Uh, Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount and Revelation 20 and other places that there's a special rewards for those who give up their life uh, for him. Um, and I just think that we learn from people like uh, Polycarp that there are things worse than death, <laughs> right? And death is temporary. Uh, I'm, I'm not suggesting we seek out martyrdom. Some in history seem to, but, but I'm suggesting that we be a people of courage. Uh, death is not the end. Paul was a great example of this. The Roman guards couldn't control him because they said, you know, look, you got to obey or we're going we're gonna to kill you. 
And you go, okay, good, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And they go, well, if you want to die, we're not going to let you die. We'll just beat you. And he says, I don't consider it myself worthy to suffer for Christ. There's a sense in which we need a little bit more of that kind of courage. Uh, the worst that can be done to us in some people's eyes is that we can be killed. That's just not the worst, right? Uh, death is a temporary transition to be fully present with God, to live as Christ to die as gain. Death is a temporary setback. Eternity changes everything. And some of these early church leaders understood that. Polycarp is one of them. Be encouraged by Polycarp.